welcome you to this live stream pre-market. I hope you're not too freaked out about what's going on in the market. I want to walk you through what big Wall Street banks have just put out in terms of the big items to watch out for in the coming days, weeks, and months. And Winston said, you better explain this to people so that people can be calm and happy and as relaxed as this lovely little hound here behind me. Uh, before we get cracking, our mission here is a simple one. It's to make a million people financially free. And to me, that means being able to live off your investments and your trading income. Don't have to, but you have the option to live off that. And as part of that mission, I'm running a, there it is, live webinar on Tuesday the 9th, 10 a.m. Eastern time. Come and join me. Grab yourself a spot and you'll learn how we trade exactly, how we trade one stock with three rules, how it all works and how simple it truly is. And Winston might just put in an appearance as well, who's snoozing on the sofa behind me. So grab yourself a seat and sign up for it. Now, let me just rejig one or two things here so I can see your comments a little bit better. Feel free to obviously ask questions uh, and I will get to those once I run you through a little bit what's going on here today. We're going to go to the pre-market and everything as well. The first thing is, well, the NASDAQ is down as I've got here on the screen. So I remember it about 3% in the last five days. That's the worst since October. It's also the third time in entire history of the NASDAQ that we started the year with such a unpleasant decline. The last time was in 1980 and 2005, according to the according to the friendly chaps at the Goldman Sachs sales desk. I suspect they're right. And why is that happening? Well, one thing is, if you look at the stock chart here, and I'll make it as big as I possibly can if you're watching this, on the bottom here, I've got RSI. And when RSI breaks out above this 70-point line, then it's considered overbought. And we had that just, we had that in July, we had it in June, we had it at the end of May, and we had it in about February this year. And each one of those correlates with a peak, and then a zag back down. This is the NASDAQ. Uh, so it's not exactly a massive surprise. And a glance at the S&P shows you very much the same thing. We were just very overboard like we were last time in, say, in June and also in July. And each of those were once again peaks in the market. That doesn't mean it's an all-time high and you can never go beyond it. It just means temporarily it tends to be a resistance point and therefore the market tends to take a bit of a breather when you get to those levels. Now, what's the positioning set up right now? According to the lovely folks at Goldman Sachs, the bankers with a heart, the ones who care and uh, you know all that kind of thing, they are saying at the end of October, before the year-end rally, positioning was about minus eight. And right now, or rather two days ago, positioning was plus eight. So now we've corrected a little bit. We're probably plus six, which therefore logically says we could probably go a little bit higher again. Also, we're right now in the worst period of the buyback blackout window. So the way this works is that large companies, a lot of them buy back their own shares. 
you know, the Microsofts and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of companies do. They don't know what else to do with the, all the profits they generate. So they just buy back their own shares and therefore the shares get destroyed and therefore each individual share left is worth more. But they're not permitted to buy back their own shares just before they report earnings. And we're about to head back into earnings season and therefore we're in this blackout period and we're in the worst of it. We're in the thick of it. We're in the thickest sort of fog that you can possibly imagine. But there is some silver lining. There are sleeping golden retrievers on sofas. And in addition, January is typically the month when retail, that's you and me, put the most amount of money into the stock market compared to the entire rest of the year. So we should get some serious retail inflows as people get over this morning hiccup. Now, Goldman Sachs are also saying, expect an average year. They're saying we should expect about an 8% increase. And that's a rather precise number. But that's roughly what we've been getting historically. So they're not really sticking their neck out. They're also saying during presidential election years, we normally get an 11% rally. And I'm not sure whether that's because the presidents try to outspend or something, if that's really what it is. It might just be a fluke. I'm not really sure. But they're basically saying, expect 8%. I can live with 8%. If I get 8% and trade, you know, we get to, I don't know, 12%, 15% or something in, 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 in total, then life's pretty good. The other thing they're saying is that the meme stock stocks the, uh, excuse my French, the crap. There's a, an actual ETF called Meme, which you can look at. And I've got it on the chart here. They're saying this rally won't last. They're saying it might last a, a quarter or two and it'll then come back down. So we've had this massive, massive shoot up here. And right now we're pretty much still at almost peak levels. Come down a little, but still. Uh, and that should come back down to more moderate levels. And I wouldn't be surprised by that. So if you if your if your meme portfolio, if you hold one of those, is doing tremendously well, I would consider, it's not financial advice, I'd consider taking profits when it looks really, really shiny. It's just one of those things. It's there. They, they if they're crap stocks, they're not actually gonna stay up there, right? <clears throat> and Goldman's are also saying that the AI rally is probably going to take a little bit of a breather and then it'll be back with a vengeance towards the end of the year. And they're saying non-AI stocks are going to start to benefit as well. Why? Because their CEOs will have learned that mentioning the two letters A and I on the earnings report will do something. No, because industry outside of the core tech space will have started to integrate AI into their businesses and they'll start to see the cost saving, the efficiency improvements. Maybe they'd be able to fire some people. Sorry, but it's the reality of AI. And, and that will therefore be supportive for earnings. That's kind of what, what they're sort of hinting at here. Um, I wanted to take those all day. I forgot. Hmm. What supplements do you guys take? Put it in the comments and I'll tell you what I take. But let's run through some financial uh, information here. Don't fight the Fed is always the lesson that I have learned. And whenever I track 
Offit, one of our head coaches, Elliot, says to me, I remember when we went against the Fed and we were down, I don't know, $25 million as a bank or something. It's a bad idea. Now, the FOMC minutes came out yesterday and they basically said the following. They said rates are at or near its peak, which is basically they're at the peak. And they said we might keep them at current levels longer than people currently think. They didn't say it's going to happen in March, the first rate cut. But inflation is clearly moving down sustainably, which is essentially saying, yeah, we won the inflation fight. And they're also saying that they might slow down the balance sheet shredding, which means uh, decline, which means they stop shredding money. And that, of course, is very supportive for the market. It's probably also required to avert the big risk here that we're going to get to in just a second. So stick around and uh, uh, smash the uh, you know what if you haven't already. If there's a like button near you, abuse it as much as, well, I was going to make a very inappropriate remark there. I, sh I shall take that back. Do you read about the Epstein papers today? <laughs> That's probably not a quote we need out there. Someone's going to make a short out of it. Now, typically, going back to the Fed here, once the Fed starts cutting rates, which is... Well, I can't draw a straight line today. There, if you can see my screen. And we usually get, in the next 12 months, about a plus 10% market rally if and only if there is no recession. I'll tell you in a second why I don't think there'll be a full-blown recession for various reasons, but that's kind of the, the plan. So that's kind of what we're aiming for here. It's just average, 8%, 10%. To get a proper recession, you would need the consumer to capitulate uh, and 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 snooze uh, like 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 Winston does here on the sofa behind me, but unlikely to happen. Why? Because wage inflation, which means salaries, are now actually going up more than inflation for the first time in three years. So the U.S. consumer is actually becoming a little bit better off, or is just trying to make up for three years of lost, three lost years. So that's support for the consumer. Further, we just got in literally a couple of minutes ago, the ADP jobs data, which is jobs data that's usually slightly less manipulated than the stuff that uh, the um, El Presidente puts out. And it surprisingly is higher than expected. It came in at 160,000 jobs created, 160,000. We're expecting about 120,000. So that's the perfect soft landing miracle, isn't it? It's the, it's the pre-Russian Christmas miracle. Russian Christmas, I think, is on the 6th, isn't it? Orthodox Christmas? I think it is. And it's the largest monthly job gain since August, mostly service jobs and 9,000 goods producing jobs. And... That was mostly leisure, hospitality, education, health, while manufacturing is still plummeting. So that's kind of where the real recession is, the manufacturing recession. And there are, it gets better. And I know this is terribly exciting. You probably barely stand the real excitement of all this data. 
job changes, who, by the way, are very smart. Statistically, if you change your job every two years, not more often, but every two years, you will get much, much higher wages than if you stay in the same job. Why? Because change your job, you might get a 20% pay rise. You stay in the same job, you probably get 5%. So job changes at the moment are getting an 8% pay rise, whereas job stayers are getting a 5.4% pay rise. Still pays to switch jobs. But that's down from 8.3 and 5.6. So the labor market is calming down a little bit and the Fed is going to be looking at this and inviting people out for a sherry party. Maybe not Bill Clinton after today's news, but, you know, everybody else who wasn't on pedophile island. What's the big risk in 2024? Isn't that what you came for? I think it probably is. What is it? The chart says monthly net supply very cryptically. It's government debt issuance. Wow, that's exciting, isn't it? Darling, do you know the big risk for 2024? It's government debt issuance. Can you believe it? Yes. What does it really mean? Well, the nutters in Washington, and I don't care what political affiliation you are, they are all stark, raving mad. They are going to have to issue $2.4 trillion net of U.S. treasuries. So that's new U.S. treasuries. And the question, therefore, is, is who's going to buy all that stuff? Who's going to buy $2.4 trillion of new U.S. treasuries? Now, retail, you and me, bought about a trillion last year. But $2.4 trillion, it's a lot more. And last year, the only reason we bought is because rates were really high and we thought they're going to come down. So it was kind of an easy trade. And... The closer we get to kind of year end and the more people realize how much money this is really sucking up, people might start to think again about, well, the polite phrase is debt sustainability. Uh, the less polite phrase would be, is the U.S. going to go bankrupt? This is also why the Fed is floating in its minutes we don't have to shred money. We could just slow it down a little bit and just, you know, support the government a little bit and all the debt issuance, which is what they've been doing the last six months. Secretly, they've been essentially buying hundreds of billions of government debt through T-bills, through the reverse repo thing, which is terribly complicated and terribly dull, but that's what they've been doing. But that facility is almost exhausted, so they're going to have to come up with another conjuring trick to bail us all out. And I'm sure they will, because if they don't, then, well, hell freezes over. He'd want that now. Right? Come and join me on Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern time live, and I'll explain to you and I'll teach you the three steps that we use to make our money work for us harder. It takes maybe four hours a week to implement. And it's automated. You don't need to look at screens or charts and you can live your life the way you want to live it.